Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariash. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'll be speaking with filmmaker Robert Koch, executive producer of the documentary When Comedy Went to School, which celebrates the incredible legacy of Jewish comedians who launched their careers in the Catskills, also known as the Borscht Belt, and became comedic legends. Names like Jerry Lewis, Sid Caesar, so many more. You won't want to miss this. Well, just one brief reminder, though, before we jump into our conversation, check out our series Conversations with B'nai B'rith and all of our interviews on Facebook and YouTube. You'll find discussions with diplomats, historians, Holocaust survivors, Middle East experts, even the first Jewish-American male astronaut in space. And get our latest content by subscribing to the B'nai B'rith YouTube channel and liking us on Facebook at B'nai B'rith International. Why are there so many Jewish comedians? An in-depth, entertaining portrait of America's greatest generation of comics, including the likes of Jerry Lewis, Joan Rivers, Sid Caesar, Jackie Mason, and so many others. The feature-length documentary, which aired earlier this year on PBS, tells the story of the Catskill hotels and bungalow colonies that provided the setting for a group of young Jewish-American comedians who forever altered the course of American humor. We're delighted to be joined by the film's executive producer, Robert Koch, who will take us behind the scenes of When Comedy Went to School and help us celebrate the amazing legacy of Jewish comedians who got their start in the Catskills, the origins of the Borscht Belt hotels themselves, fight against anti-Semitism, and much more. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Dan, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's, it's great being with you. Well, of course, the first question is uh, the obvious one, and that is uh, talk to us about the origins of the film. How did you come up with the idea to make a documentary about Jewish-American comedians and how they got started? In other words, what were the motivating factors for your team in making this film, and what is it that caught your eye about the subject? I um, am business partners with the writer of When Comedy Went to School, Lawrence Richards. And Larry um, just did a bang up job in putting together the history of the Borspell. And he approached me about partnering up on the film with um, uh, Mevlet Akaya and Ron Frank, uh, who are producers on the film. And when he brought me the storyline, I grew up in Hawthorne, New Jersey, which is not that far away from Manhattan, very diverse part of the country. And um, Larry really went into the history of what Jews went through after World War II, they were not accepted in clubs and organizations in the um, in the New, New York tri-state area. So they moved up to the Borschville, the Catskills in Ulster and Sullivan County, and they began these just fantastic um, uh, colonies and these resorts where folks could go for the summer, for the weekend. You know, it was the, the drive up Route 17 with no air conditioning back in the day. And um, you had these comics who would go up there and remember, you know, there's 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 no television. So it was live entertainment. 
And when you look at the comedians who got their start there or participated there, like you said, the likes of Jerry Lewis, we have um, Larry King in the film, who's not a comedian, but he's got some hilarious stories about when he was a busboy. Uh, Sid Caesar, uh, Jackie Mason, uh, Jerry Stiller. It's just a fantastic tale. And it's something that, you know, it's, uh, to use the line, uh, one of the greatest stories never told. This needed to be brought to the attention of not only the Jewish community, but the rest of the world, because frankly, and we'll get into this, is because of what the Jews have gone through and traveled so far over centuries, you know, if you can't get a laugh, eh, the other side is not that good. Well, I've done that drive uh, up Route 17. It's a couple of hours, uh, but in the air conditioning era. Uh, but but I, I know once you got up there, uh, those evenings would be, even in the summer, you know, it'd be nice and cool. It was a nice place to uh, to take a vacation. Of course, I, I like to say, uh, you know, before there was Las Vegas, um, there was uh, the Catskills, uh, at least for those who, who lived uh, in, in the Northeast, particularly in the New York uh, area. Um, we've done some, in B'nai B'rith, we've done some work in our magazine back in 2015. <clears throat> we did a piece called Sticks and Stones. Uh, so we've approached this subject from, from another angle. But I want to get to the, the issue of laughter, because you mentioned it. Uh, what is it about laughter that you think brings people together? Uh, and why, why, is, why was it important then? A lot of this was happening uh, right after World War II, which was uh, a tremendously difficult five-year period for the United States. But why do you think it was so important then and, and today? Make the connection. Well, we were very, very fortunate to have a professor from Brooklyn College by the name of Joe Dorrenson, who this guy knows everything about Jewish history and Jewish humor. And once again, you know, I'm Irish, Italian, Catholic. Um, he educated me on how the Jews, you know, it comes from the shtetl, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And, you know, through pain comes humor. And the comparison that he makes in the film about survival, about at least having, you know, turning things around. Uh, th there's a line in the movie by Mort Saul. He says there's uh, there's two Jews in a concentration camp. And uh, uh, he, he says uh, the, the, the one guy says, long live the Jewish state. And they've got rifles pointed at him, says, shush, don't make trouble. You know, it's. It's those types of things that w where the draw comes from to to really make you think. And it, you know, creates a chuckle. You get a laugh out of something. There's there's um, a lot that. When television first came out, who were the big ones? You had the uh, um, dear God, you had. Alan King, you had all of the big time Jewish comedians who brought this type of comedy to the screen. And it all started in the Borspell. It started in the Catskills and appropriately named our film when comedy went to school. Because as Jackie Mason said in the film, you know, you need to laugh. Bob, let me ask you, by the time you 
you, you and your team got rolling on this project, uh, a good number of these comedy greats already had passed from the scene. So um, what, what did you do here? You've got interviews. Who were you able to, to, to catch and, and, and do an interview with? Um, and you've got <clears throat> film clips um, from, from the past. How did, you, how did you manage to do that? What was the, the thought process and who should we interview while we can interview them? And how do we put it all together? Well, um, I have to once again really defer to uh, Larry Richards' talent and his ability to write and produce because he was the one who was instrumental in getting uh, with Ron Frank and, and Mevlutakaya the um, – we were able to interview Sid Caesar. Sid Caesar had married one of the hotel owner's daughters, uh, and he was a musician first. He started up there, and we were so, so fortunate to be able to interview him about the past. Um, Jackie Mason was, I mean, he was there. He was the guy on Ed Sullivan. You knew he was Jewish. And we, we were also very fortunate to get um, uh, Jerry Lewis and all of the stories when he was there, uh, you know, he was very young. He was able to describe, you know, what he felt as a kid. And he knew that he wanted to make people laugh by watching the Borscht Belt comedians. And the best of all, we were able to get um, Robert Klein to narrate it. I had Robert Klein on uh, my talk show last year when we first started to uh, get things rolling uh, and get this over to PBS. Um, and he is just, he was not there in his younger days, but he really gave a great story about what went on there and some of the antics while he was there as a comedian, the things that went on with Buddy Hackett and, uh, you know, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin was up there. It was just really where it all started. So getting these guys on board, uh, uh, you know, and unfortunately, yeah, quite a few of them have passed just in the past couple of years was just, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a stroke of luck, but I'm so glad that we were able to have them tell their story. Yeah, well, timing is everything, of course. And Robert Klein, I think, is one of the most uh, underappreciated uh, comics in, yeah. in his in his own right. And uh, you you have a good, really a good lineup in terms of historical memory, but I'm sure <clears throat> there were a number of folks uh, that you would have liked to have had on camera, but simply, you know, they're not, they're not with us anymore. I mean, when you have a guy like Robert Klein, who on his first album tells the history of mayonnaise, how can you go wrong? You know, the history of the Borscht Belt, uh, it's long past, although <clears throat> I was um, able at the, near the end, actually, I, uh, when I worked for the Anti-Defamation League many years ago, would go up, uh, we would um, go up on weekends, we'd go up for Jewish holidays, uh, the uh, Pro Singers Hotel and the Concord would, would invite me up, I, I would have to give a few speeches during the course of the Jewish holidays that, that were being spent up there, and then <clears throat> occasionally there would be a show, and I remember we kind of caught the tail end of it, one of the comics I remember seeing was Jack Eagle, who became famous for a series of commercials he did for Xerox. Uh, not necessarily the best known, but in the tradition of, of the classic Borscht Belt uh, comic. And then it sort of 
it, it just sort of petered out, I guess, because of, of Vegas, the ease of travel, uh, being able to move around, uh, being able to take a vacation easily beyond, you know, two hours uh, north of, of New York. Uh, but let's talk about, about the hotels for a second. Um, why were, were the Jewish immigrants flocking to the, to the Catskills? Why were, they, why were they going up there? Well, it really started prior to the, the whole resort boom because Jews that came here from Eastern uh, Europe uh, traveled up there and started dairies in, in the, uh, like, I believe it was earliest recording of, of Jewish population in Ulster and uh, Sullivan counties was 1873. Now, you know, the land up there, it was, it wasn't, still is quite a bit farmland. A lot of our dairy um, still comes from there. It's like the odd couple, uh, the, the storyline uh, in, in one of their shows when Oscar was getting married for like the 14th time, uh, his best man uh, was, uh, uh, had said to him, yeah, we come from upstate New York. Bernie owns uh, a dairy. I make cottage cheese. I, I, I get everything that goes sour on Roger. You know, it was, uh, it's, they, they even brought it up back in the day. But it's, it's like I mentioned before, because of the prejudices that people suffered, it wasn't just the Jews, it was the Italians, it was, you, you could run the gamut, but it motivated them to just create this place that was, you know, just a getaway for, for, for people to really relax, get out of the noise, the hustle, New York. And to be up there, the hotels really provided for all of their guests. In fact, Robert Klein and I, uh, before we were filming uh, one of the scenes, uh, we talked about what is real Jewish rye. And I said, well, I grew up Catholic. You know, we bought Grossinger's. Oh, forget it. Grossinger's isn't real Jewish. We, we went on and on. But the hotels, where they made sure they were family friendly. They were, they had all the accoutrement, let's say, for people to come up and really be able to have that sense of safety and relaxation and have a real good time. Yeah, I mean, I remember just the uh, Grossingers and the Concord, the two that I knew well, <clears throat> these were really um, beautiful places. Uh, they had golf courses. They were they were nice places just to to come up and and rest. And of course, the eating was you know was legendary. People up there for the first time you know might might order you know everything on the menu just to just to give it a try. And you could order everything. Yeah. Um, and it was it was very family friendly. And of course, the Grossinger family probably the best known of of those who who built these hotels. Uh, Jenny Grossinger was a uh, was a, uh, a an iconic figure in, in her own right. And later passed on to to the uh, rest of the family. So these places were really places to to rest, to take a good vacation. And, and you know, I, I think if you want to have a sense, people who, who don't have a sense of it, you have two places you can go. There's the the movie Marjorie Morningstar, uh, which uh, starred Natalie Wood, and then later you had Dirty Dancing, and and it it gave you a sense of what these hotels were like. Uh, if you brought your family up. Uh, and you kept going, and usually you went back. You know, every you know every season, every year, every summer. You know, the the bellboys would know you, and the desk people would know you, and the folks in the kitchen would know you, and they give you the table that you had every year. 
So they were they were very welcoming places for yeah. people to uh, to take a vacation. And one of the core missions of, of B'nai B'rith is, is fighting anti-Semitism. From what you encountered in conversations with these comedians, what types of obstacles did comedians coming out of the Borscht Belt face? They didn't face it there because this, these were these, the environment was was totally Jewish. But was anti-Semitism a serious roadblock to these guys? And was the Borscht Belt a kind of a haven for the comedians to hone their skills and avoid perhaps some of the anti-Jewish sentiment they might otherwise face if they played venues or clubs in, in bigger cities? And in the conversations that you had, uh, did anyone bring up specific examples of discrimination uh, in something they may have encountered along the way? Absolutely. There is quite a bit of content where the comedians speak of changing their name. You know, Jack Benny's name was not Jack Benny. Uh, I forget for purposes of uh, our conversation here what his name was. but It was Benny Kubelski, I think. Okay. Oh, great, great. The, and, and, and so, yes, Jewish humor, as I mentioned before, just changed things. But it, it couldn't be done back in the day with, in relation to, you know, what has gone on making jokes about being Jewish or, and, and that the comedians were able to really fine tune and make fun of themselves and really talk. There's, there's a lot of Jewish comedy in the film. Um, and, and, it is a big, big component of the film itself. And in fact, it encouraged me, um, based on this project that we did, I was uh, able to produce a video called We Can Do Better, which played at the uh, 2021 um, Summit to Combat Anti-Semitism. In fact, it was the uh, worldwide worldwide mayor summit to combat anti-semitism and what i have done and i don't want to travel too far off of what we're doing here but it inspired me i have a uh, a radio show on wor 7 10 a.m in new york city called sunday supper with Vito. and what it does i kind of channeled my inner norman lear and it really had a lot to do with our film when comedy went to school because it's a group of misfits that uh, it's the first comedy cooking show ever produced. Um, what we do is we have a group of misfits in all from all countries, all races, all nationalities. They want to get into a gang, but they're not exactly what organized crime really wants. So we have something that is playing through comedy with diversity and it's laughter it's food and when i say i'm channeling my inner norman lear when all in the family uh it it spawned the jeffersons 227 maud we had the lowest rates of hate-based crimes that were recorded when those shows were out and i think it's important to return once again school's not out what we're doing here is we have a Jewish lawyer. There's none of them. We have Palestinians. We have uh, Asians. We have whites. We have black. It's, it's really a very funny show. And it's something that 
frankly, I believe because of the Catskills, what went on there, the way the Jews advanced comedy, I believe is why we are where we are in relation to getting a laugh and knowing why we're laughing. You know, it's interesting. You know, my take on this, uh, because I, you know, would sit in the living room <clears throat> with my parents, you know, watching Ed Sullivan and seeing this, this steady scream. And even before that, uh, or not before that, but at the same time as that, uh, watching Milton Berle, I, I can remember uh, the Milton Berle program, Sid Caesar, of course, your show of shows. Um, these, these guys and gals were, were really, in a way, they were heroes to us because this was a time when there was anti-Semitism. This was a time when there were quotas in hiring. Um, this was a time when Jews couldn't get into certain hotels, couldn't buy property in certain places. And yet, if you tuned in Sunday night to Ed Sullivan, uh, it could be on any given Sunday night. It could be any given Jewish comedian. You mentioned Alan King, who was a big favorite and appeared many times on Ed Sullivan. But there were there were so many more. And there were there were comedy duos and there were teams and there were all of these. And, you know, we sat in the room. We laughed. Uh, but there was also something unsaid. I think a lot of it was, wow, these these folks are from our community. They're on national television. And and there's there was a, a really a sense of pride in in watching these folks. So I think that um, in the process and I think you've said it, Bob, I think in the process, it helped to mainstream, to integrate the Jewish people living in this country who came as immigrants, you know, going back to 1640, but who came as immigrants in large numbers in the, at the end of the 19th century. And to, to kind of mainstream us to the point where um, there was much more acceptance. And I think that these comedians really had a lot to do with paving, yeah. you know, that, that territory. So let me ask you, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You, you have such a good point. I really, and I, I apologize, I didn't want to interrupt you, but look at, you're bringing up Ed Sullivan. Look at Stiller and Mira and go back. Remember, you're in the 1960s. I remember my grandmother watching, who was a staunch Roman Catholic, and she was just fine with their relationship. And you talk, I, I really can honestly say that, you know, in my lifetime, um, you know, that really was the first door opening that I realized and saw, you know, and accepted with no problem whatsoever. They were laughing on Ed Sullivan, once Catholic, once Jewish, everything's great. And look at where they ended up. It's just fantastic. So let me ask you, what would you like audiences to take away from when comedy went to school? What's what's the what's the big takeaway? I think the the biggest takeaway, and it was uh, Sid Caesar really hit on this. You know, times are hard, and and you got a lot on your mind, but but it's important you make a joke. When you laugh, when you sit with someone, have a meal, and you can you can yuck it up a little bit. It really can diffuse some situations that could get ugly. And I think that is the most important takeaway uh, that I hope people get from our film is that, you know, the Jews have gone through it since, you know, Moses came down from the mountain and they're still here. 
they're advancing. They're, you know, and, and the world needs to learn from this. The world needs to know that, you know, it's, we are all just humans. We're God's children. We're, you know, however you want to look at it, but it's okay. I, I, I brought acceptance into my life a long time ago. And I, I would love to, you know, for just people to say, hey, you know, this is, uh, this is something that I can, I can deal with. And uh, by the way, I'll be here all week. So it's aired on PBS. Yeah. What, what kind of, what kind of response have you received? Critical response in the, in the press and, and, or beyond the media from, from folks who just saw the program and decided to send in a, a note to you and Larry. Uh, I just saw the program. This is what I think. What are you hearing? We're, people are loving the historical aspect of what we're bringing out. Uh, they love all the old bits that we were able to acquire and include in the film. And by the way, just so your listeners know, um, they can see the film at any time on PBS.org, their streaming channel. Uh, we are we have a two-year commitment from PBS, uh, so it will be playing and broadcast on their stations. Uh, in, I believe it's, we're on 221 stations, but they can go right away to uh, PBS.org, get on their streaming channel, and see it for free at any time. Well, the final question is, uh, what's next for you and Larry? What's what's the next project? Well, we are uh, we're engaged in a film uh, called it it uh, it couldn't happen here, which is a documentary about Smedley Butler, who was a he almost became the commandant of the Marine Corps back in the uh, early 1900s, and there was a a, an attempted coup of the Roosevelt administration in 1932 that didn't get a lot of press, but we have all the historical documents. They held a hearing on it. We're working on that now, but we're also um, talking about doing our next film when comedy went to the parochial school because the Catholics learned from the Jews. So there is, I mean, how many Pope jokes could I, you know, spit out in, the, in 10 minutes? We've got a lot going on, and the uh, uh, the radio show uh, Sunday Supper with Vito is right now being developed into a TV series. So um, it's comedy. It's going to be a lot of diversity, a lot of good times, and we will keep you posted. Well, it sounds like you have uh, a lot on your plate. When Comedy Went to School, executive produced by Robert Koch, debuted on PBS earlier this year. And it can be viewed via pbs.org. We hope you'll watch the film, which sheds light on a cornerstone of American comedy. Bob, we really appreciate uh, your being here, taking us inside the world of Jewish American comedians who forever redefine stand up and sketch comedy. Wishing you continued success. Dan, I, I can't thank you enough for being on. I just have deep, deep ad, uh, admiration for what your organization does and the people that it reaches and helps. Best to you, best to your audience. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're looking for more of our programming, visit our website, benebreath.org, to listen to all of our conversations, podcasts, and live interviews. Thanks to filmmaker Robert Kosh for joining me today. And as always, Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear and you're in a podcast app already, 
Hit the subscribe button to follow us. You can also listen to the show via the B'nai B'rith website. For my guests, Robert Kosh, and for B'nai B'rith, I'm your host, Dan Mariashin. Talk to you again soon.